the ultimate sports podcast, your one-stop shop for all your sporting news and discussion. On today's podcast, we have Tanner Walter, a competitive cyclist who noticed a gap in the market for plant-based nutrition. Welcome back to the podcast. A very warm welcome to my guest, Tamo here. We're going to be talking all about sports, plant-based nutrition, and how he found the gap in the market for that from competitive cycling. First off, Tamo, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Thank you. Doing well. We're obviously here to talk about plant-based food and nutrition and cycling. You've identified this gap in the market originally from a love and a passion for competitive cycling, really. I just want to ask, first of all, where does that come from? Where did you first really get into cycling? So I grew up on, in Germany, and when I was much younger, grew up, well, was born, uh, raised, grew up, went to school, and had my first job actually in Germany. And in the 90s, uh, when, when cycling in, in Europe kind of saw a big spike, certainly in Germany with Jan Ulrich and the Tour de France was sort of in everyone's mind or on everyone's mind and, and was a big topic, I kind of got first interested in the idea of the, the world of road cycling, I would say. Growing up in Europe, it's obviously a little bit different here in the US, but growing up in Europe, cycling always was part of my life in regards to getting from home to school and back or seeing friends and really doing most activities throughout my life uh, or childhood and early adult life, even in college. Very different experience than what I see here in the US with young people. And then it really took a bunch of years until I came out to California and uh, for me to get into it. And yeah, it happened then very quickly, mostly through uh, a good friend and, and neighbor. And I was thrown sort of like into the deep end of the pool and, and started doing it competitively on, a, on an amateur level, but competitively and, and very intensely. And at the same time, I engaged with a coach to really get the most out of the the time I had and the coach also nutritionist encouraged me to get off any synthetic supplements ideally to prepare my own nutrition and food to fuel my workouts training and and races and I like the idea because growing up in Germany food was and healthy or good food was was a big topic. I grew up in a household where even more so that was uh, always on my parents and my mom's mind. And so I liked the idea and got into it and stopped it pretty quickly. So roughly after six weeks, I, I realized this is just way too much. And between having a demanding job at the time um, and uh, family with two young kids, training, then planning, understanding the subject matter of sports nutrition to begin with, which is really complicated. You have to understand the biochemical processes that your body goes through with training or recovery or really any phase you're in to really have an impact on, on what you do. And then you have to go out and buy it and prepare it and clean up. And it's just a, it's just a very, very time consuming effort if you try to do that for yourself. Yeah, I bet. This coach that you speak obviously had a big impact on your life. What was his reasoning for you move away from synthetic supplements? Obviously, they're so popular and so many people use them, but what was his reasoning behind that? First and foremost, I would say, uh, well, both really performance and health reasons. Um, for one, it's just not good to put synthetic foods or artificial foods into your body day in, day out for long periods of time. And when it comes to sports nutrition and people that take what they do very seriously, then 
often you find patterns where people do take, for example, supplements or nutritional products for a long period of time. Protein is, is a good example. A lot of athletes just take proteins for years, decades, and so on and so forth. And if you take ingredients that are hard for your body to work through or even harmful, then that has an effect over time. But it also has an impact on performance. So if you think of synthetic foods, a lot of those ingredients are not recognized as food by your body. And so it takes the body an extra effort to work through it. Often you have toxic byproducts as part of the digestive process. And so the body has to work through that, get rid of it. And so there are a bunch of chemical processes and, and, and effects or, or yeah, negative effects, I guess, that your body has to deal with if you take synthetic foods. And nowadays there's so much insight, so much research into what those effects are. And on the one side, when it comes to synthetic uh, ingredients or, or foods, and on the other side, what allowed us ultimately to start this company and put the products out that we have now is that there's so much research about natural foods or ingredients and their efficacy and what you can do with that in contrast, right? And so, this coach in particular was just really interested in providing me with all the different elements that get me to, or get the most out of my training that I could. And nutrition plays a humongous role when it comes to performance. And there's no, there's no coincidence, or it is no coincidence that a lot of very high performing athletes have switched to a vegan diet. Does it have to be vegan? You know, I, I think there's, the, the debate is out on that, but, or just all vegan, but there's, I think now enough evidence that a plant-based diet is beneficial for, for athletes and, and performance, health and performance. And when we're talking about synthetic supplements, we're talking stuff from athletes use like the protein, the whey protein, like you say, and then down to everyday stuff like vitamin D and C. Yeah, exactly. So there's, I mean, when it comes to the, the synthetic ingredients, there's, you can take those in with just supplements that you buy anything from some sports supplements or sports nutrition supplements all the way to regular foods right and if you deal with artificial flavors and artificial preservatives or uh, colorings and all kinds of other stuff that um, you find in some products to make them either a little bit cheaper or shelf stable for longer periods of time then that's not what you typically want to put in your body and those are ingredients that have a reason for being because of economics but from a performance and health perspective there's plenty of stuff that just shouldn't be consumed really when it comes down to it and especially in sports when you think of very small margins of differences in regards to winning or losing or coming in second or third then every dial plays a role and everything that you, you can do really in regards to fueling your body in the moment of time uh, and, and muscles and, and sort of like the, the typical system people think of when they perform, but then also in regards to the mind, right? So often it's overlooked that how you feel and whether you, let's say on the bike, cycling, doing a race, whether your mind is occupied because your stomach is trying to work through some, some stuff and you get stomach cramps or whether you feel good makes a huge difference. And, and that's where we saw a niche, especially when we started a, a few years ago, 
because it was just on the brink to become a much larger trend that we're seeing today. Nowadays, obviously, plant-based is has become probably almost like a mass trend at this point, but a much larger and broader topic than it used to be. And yeah, people care more about those kind of aspects and the better for you and being healthier and balancing out things that they previously didn't. It's just become more and more important. You mentioned that the market's blown up in the last few years. What would you put that down to? The fact that there's perhaps been more research or people just better educated now? I think there's more research. It's a combination of, of a variety of things, but I would say over the last few decades now, and I saw that really growing up in, in Germany with what's here called organic foods, it's a slightly different name in, in, in Germany for, for those kind of or type of foods, but that became a bigger thing. We had a number of of large food scandals. There's been more research. There's been more interest in, I think, an all-around healthier lifestyle. That interest from the consumer base, I think, fueled some of the research that then was made because you have an interest on the one side that obviously sets off a whole machinery of actions on the other side. Anything from, uh, let's say, universities or institutions that are doing research to companies looking for new opportunities, new market opportunities or product opportunities. And we fall into that category too, right? In, in, in our case, I was customer number one, and that was a, a lucky position to be in that I was a consumer and an entrepreneur at the same time, but we saw an opportunity as much as, as others did. Education got a little bit better. There's, there's been larger health trends, I think, overall in regards to no smoking, less alcohol, less fat, less sugar. I mean, there's, there there've been a number of a very broad, very large-scale trends that had an effect on people just being more mindful and conscious of living a healthier life. So that's, that's really more on the theoretical side or, or nutritional side of things. And then on, on, a, on a practical or physical side, people have become more and more active. And that is also a global trend, has been now the case for, for many, many years. I think that is partially fueled by the industry bringing apps out that encourage activity, right? Let it be an Nike Plus, a Strava, a Garmin. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a gazillion apps that now track your steps and track your activity and give you data and give you feedback. And not only do people take that in and realize, okay, this is what I've done. It also encourages them to do a little bit more. And a large portion out of those people that do that, they get into a habit of just taking that on as a challenge and looking how far they can get. And I, I would even say that I've been part of that group, right? Logging rides on Strava, for example, where you see, well, if I'm you know, a little bit faster, I can beat this guy or I can get a KOM in this segment or um, I can beat my own time if that's just the, the most important thing to me. Whatever is sort of like important to any individual, it's become a, a more competitive world. And when I grew up, my competitive circle was largely comprised of friends and maybe school uh, athletes and maybe there was like club athletes and a few teams but it was very very regionalized and nowadays 
you can compete against people anywhere in the world, right? There's obviously outside and in sort of like the traditional terms now, even more so with the crisis, we've seen companies such as Swift and Peloton go through the roof because people just do their workouts at home, but also they compete against other people from home or other people from around the world. And I believe that has to some extent fueled a whole bunch of other things, but certainly the interest in being more competitive and as part of evaluating how do you perform better, nutrition is one of or becomes one of the most important tools that you have at your disposal, especially in cycling. It's interesting. Sometimes you, you overhear conversations or, or, or see discuss, discussions online where people discuss shaving off X amount of grams of a wheel or a piece of equipment, you make ultimately your bike, you might be able to shave off some time and perform a little bit better. You're able to go up the hill or the mountain a little bit faster. Amongst the amateurs and just the, the regular cyclists, what's often forgotten about is if you would change your nutrition a little bit, you could do so much more than whatever you can shave off in grams of a, of a wheel or a set of cranks or you know really any other piece of your equipment. And so coming back to your question, there's a, there's a number of factors that set off kind of an avalanche of, of behaviors and interests and that made people more interested in better nutrition, healthier nutrition, and therefore plant-based nutrition. One last thing I want to say about that. From our perspective, a few years back, it was really, or to 99%, that whole conversation was fueled by the interest of the individual's health and or performance, depending on whether you talk to an athlete or just a regular person. Now, there's also an aspect of environmental factors. So we often talk to athletes that, yes, have an interest in feeling a little bit better and maybe gaining a benefit from, from, from changing their diet for performance reasons. But I think as part of the education that has unfolded over the last few years, maybe five to 10 years even, and environmental issues becoming a bigger topic, people also realize that animal farming, for example, and raising or harvesting, I guess, uh, animal products has a massive impact on the environment. And so now we see people having entry points into this market of plant-based nutrition from a variety of different areas and interest points. And I think that's, that's quite interesting too. Yeah. Do you think that would be bigger than perhaps people just changing their diet from a selfish point of view for them? Do you think that's going to be a bigger trend? I absolutely believe so. And in the very beginning, we started out describing and our products as vegan and, and really pretty much all of them are vegan. We have a couple of bar products that use honey. So I think by a very strict definition, that wouldn't be considered vegan. But overall, our whole product set is vegan. And that has to do with our philosophy. And because they're vegan, they're obviously plant-based. But this larger discussion and consciousness and interests that we now see amongst a, a broad group of people is a little bit detached from that portion of vegan. Vegan is sort of like its own subgroup. And now, yes, people are more interested in that. And there are people that really say, I'm changing my behavior because of environmental reasons. And it might mean that they're not giving up animal products completely, 
but they're changing some of their habits, eating habits. And they might, instead of having the regular burger, now eat a plant-based burger like an Impossible or Beyond Meat or whatever other companies there are. And so I think it's the way you can buy into this, into this trend, into this philosophy and culture of fueling yourself a certain way has become a little bit easy in the sense that there are different reasons for doing it. So you don't have to subscribe to being a vegan. And especially years back, that was that had a, a certain kind of, of stigma, I would say. And for a lot of people now, it's much, much easier to go into or try plant-based. And sometimes it's only occasionally, but it can be an entry door or doorway, gateway for them to just change the habits in the long term too. So we, we certainly see that. You mentioned the different apps before that you can track your stats and stuff. How big of a proponent in the health kick trend do you think social media has been? Where so many people just go online and see all these fit and healthy people and almost they want to become like that. Yeah, I think, I think there's no, no question that that has, has had a, a humongous impact on, on behavior and nutrition and let's call it just fitness or physical activity. The, the apps I was talking about, uh, mostly tracking apps for any form of fitness, again, such as Strava, Nike Plus, Garmin, and a gazillion other ones, they are obviously one step removed from social media, but they also feed into it because you can now post your stats with just one click, right? And you can let everyone in your social media network know what you've done. And that applies to you, again, to your performance, but then also to things that you do differently to get there and to perform better and how you feel better. And you have obviously tons of influences now that have been showcasing their bodies and there's an there's a there's an aesthetic side to all of this then there's a performance side to all of this there is an educational side to all of this where it's neither about performance or looking good and just seeing all these you know fit bodies male or female but you might just find out very in very digestible ways what is the advantage of i don't know curcumin for example turmeric why should i be taking that and it's just what social media has done, and, and I think to some extent, or in many ways, and in, in to the benefit of many people, is to break down things that, to make things digestible that otherwise would have been really hard to break down or hard to consume for the average person. And so I would say, no doubt, social media had a massive impact on, on education, driving interest, driving awareness, and yeah, ultimately changing, changing behaviors. And that applies, I think, to a lot of other areas as well. I mean, we now, you know, we just talked a moment ago about environmental impacts. We now know what kind of impact social media actually had on environmental or non environmental reasons. So now people are seeing all these cool places and all of a sudden, you know, little towns, quaint little towns that are, I don't know, somewhere in the Alps or anywhere around the world that have barely seen any visitors are, are flooded, right? Because there is that interest and it's become so tangible and people now know what to do. And the same applies to nutrition. So massive impact. In terms of the products you do, what would you recommend would be the best products for the average, say, gym goer to use? 
So one of the products we have is an electrolyte hydration powder. It's a product that is meant to replenish your electrolytes that you lose through sweat and body fluids in general. And I would say it's amongst the products that we have, it has very broad application and people often underestimate how important those electrolytes are and what they do, how easily you can use or lose them. Um, I would say a lot of people have hydration issues to begin with, so not drinking enough, enough water. Then a lot of people don't realize that in the water that you consume today, so meaning you're not drinking right out of the rivers and streams, a lot of these waters are very purified and they don't have a lot of the minerals or electrolytes that we use to consume as water. So you have to make sure that you do get your electrolytes. And electrolytes are really, they have so many applications, but one of the things that they help with is proper muscle contraction so that your muscles work properly. In regards to your brain, they help you stay focused and and for your brain to properly function. So it's, it's important that you have proper electrolyte levels, especially when you work out, whether it's in the gym, outside, wherever it is. And an in, in added benefit of that product in particular that we produce, we have an ingredient that's called betaine. Uh, amongst the bunch of benefits it has, it, it helps to metabolize carbs and proteins. So besides replenishing the electrolytes that you lose, uh, with sweat, for example, you also make the most out of the fuel that you've been taking in to, you know, have energy and and be able to work out. So that has that's a certainly a product that has a very broad application for many people. And another product I want to talk about actually, this quite interests me. Obviously, you mentioned whey protein earlier. It's the biggest, most popular protein that people use. How does plant-based uh, protein compare to whey? So. Plant-based proteins for a long time had a, I wouldn't say a bad reputation, but amongst athletes, they were looked as looked at as, as not even a viable option. And I would say one of the reasons for that is that, you know, if you go 10 years back, maybe even longer, but a while back, plant-based proteins used to have really bad amino acid profiles. And that partially or to a large extent was driven by the fact that you need a number of different plant sources to get a good amino acid or a complete amino acid profile. And if you take a shortcut and just do, for example, pea protein, which is one of the, the, the cheaper, more popular uh, plant-based proteins, you end up, yes, with a plant-based protein product, but one that in regards to amino acids and, and helping your body recover appropriately and, and for your muscles, uh, muscle tissue to recover, it's, it's, not, it's not even comparable to whey. That has changed a lot because the research we've been talking about a little bit has now, research and product development, has now given us the opportunity to do blends as we do with our products, for example, protein products, do a blend that has a really, really good amino acid profile and, and comes really, really, really close to wet, where we would absolutely argue that, yes, you might have slightly lower amounts in a couple of areas of your amino acids than a way, but it's so marginal that the other benefits of a product like that, by far away, were you the, then the benefits you would get with the whey or really any other animal product protein and what are those other benefits so for example environmental right 
Um, yeah. And that is, I, I want to bring that up because I think given the really the issues we all fight right now with the climate change and, and um, yeah, just environmental issues in general, if you look at the stats and data of how much land mass is used for farming, how much methane gets released into our uh, atmosphere by livestock, it's just the impact because of our society now using animal products really throughout the day is so massive that that is, I think, a, a really good reason. The other reason is that there's been plenty of research that suggests that the long-term use of animal protein has negative effects on your health. And so there's been one study a few years ago from Harvard where I think they looked at something like 30,000 participants for 25 years and the health effects coming out of that or the health, dif health differences between the, the audience group that used animal protein versus plant-based protein. And yeah, there is environmental reasons. There is, from our perspective, uh, performance reasons and how you how you feel taking too much animal taking in too much animal products versus being more focused on plant based products. So there's there's a plethora and of reasons and obviously different reasons appeal to different people. And as a company, we've we've always said to customers or people that are interested in our products or, or looking for having a conversation with us or asking similar questions as you were just asking. We're never trying to get someone off the regimen or to convince or evangelize someone to you know, jump from a whey protein or an animal protein over to just plant-based. The only thing that we like to do is to help educate and say, hey, here's the, here are the reasons why we're doing these products and why we believe it's a better route to go. And why we now know that, whether it's protein or other, any other of the products that we do, that they are really effective. And all ingredients that we are using, for example, all the, the extra, extracts at least, they're all scientifically and clinically researched. And they're, they, we're using exact dosages that were used for those clinical trials to ensure efficacy. And so a lot of those plant-based ingredients have come out of the shadow and are now in the spotlight because we do have that research, we do have those results, we do know what they can or cannot do. And so we're trying to highlight those and not saying, you know, everything animal related is bad. That's, that's, that's not our place. It's not even our philosophy, right? We're about balance and we, we're not a company or a brand that would say, you know, you, you should never eat anything animal related. But we're trying to advocate for a more balanced diet and and trying to advocate what the effects or the benefits of, of plant-based are. Yeah, and you're rightfully really passionate about the environment. When you originally set up Attack, was that one of the main reasons that you did, or was it initially for the personal health benefits, and then you discovered that after? I discovered that after. It was really for for personal for my personal benefit, benefits, performance, and health related. And as I was diving into this topic and evaluating uh, the market opportunity a little bit, I realized, you know what, there's actually a whole other area to it that just becomes a really good add-on benefit. And I think, as I said before, to some people, that becomes the main reason, right? And I've made the comparison before where, or when you talk about electric cars, for example, or using Tesla as a example, yeah, some people always knew they wanted an electric car and it ends up being a Tesla. 
but there are a lot of people that first and foremost want a good looking and fast car. And then they think, or part of their decision-making process and what makes them feel good about their purchases. Well, on top of that, it's electric and that's pretty cool and it's good and has its benefits. And I think we've seen that with a lot of our customers too. They care a lot about the efficacy and health aspects, but then they realize, you know what, there's another element that that's the environmental part. And that's just a really cool and good added benefit. And, and they like that. So, you know, I would, I would definitely say we, that was not, that was not the starting point for us. And it's nothing that we make too much out of a deal out of, but it's become important. It's become more important as those issues also have become more important for really anyone in this world, right? Yeah, we've barely scratched the surface with this today, but uh, you'll start rounding up now. Whereabouts can people find more information, more details about yourself? Yeah, the best way to check us out is on our website. The URL is attackfuel.com, and that's spelled A-T-A-Q-F-U-E-L. So attackfuel.com. And we have a lot of lot of information about our products, but also on our blog, a lot of information about the topics that our products touch on, such as hydration, protein, ingredients, workouts, or nutrition and workouts, and how you can impact your workouts through nutrition. A lot of a lot of interesting and useful information for really anyone that's that's active and or interested in in living a little bit healthier lifestyle and and using nutrition as one of the elements to to do that yeah and in general you work with uh, plenty of top athletes as well don't you yeah we felt that for us and our particular story and me being that customer number one and having a having had a need for for products such as the ones that we're now developing and, and and selling authenticity has been always super super important quality and authenticity and that's one of the big pillars for our brand and we felt that that can be really well related through other people we like athletes to talk for us rather than just us talking about ourselves and we've recruited a, a really good group of athletes that use our products, believe in our products. They have a very, a very similar philosophy when it comes to fueling workouts, fueling competition, what they put into their bodies. And so we look at them really as partners that we work with much more than, than sponsored athletes that always feel has sort of a, a notion or a taste of bought. And in our case, we put a lot of care into finding the right athletes, people that would want to work with us because of our products that are authentically and genuinely using those products. And, and yeah, that's why we, from the very beginning, put a, put an effort into having a good group and building out that group of athletes. Yeah. I recommend checking it out. Anyway, thank you very much for joining me today, Tamo, and for those listening in as well. It's been a very educational and entertaining talk with you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Sam. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Ultimate Sport P. On Instagram, it's the Ultimate Sports Podcast. And follow us on any streaming service that you use to receive your podcast. And we'll see you next time.